And we welcome you to the Thursday morning show on WGTD. I'm Greg Reberg, and uh, I am happy to welcome to the program for his monthly visit, uh, Brian Albrecht, the president of Gateway Technical College. And in just a few moments, we will introduce our very special guest and our topic. But first, President Brian Albrecht, we welcome you back to the morning show. Good morning, Greg. It's always a pleasure to be here. And who would have thought it's already uh, getting close to the last week of February. This is absolutely amazing, isn't it? Time flies when you're having fun. And of course, it, it you know, sure does. Managed to uh, dig out from record-breaking <laughs> snowfall here in southeastern Wisconsin. Things feeling a little more normal this week. Um, maybe you could uh, start things out by giving uh, our listeners uh, something of a COVID update in regards to, uh, to Gateway Technical College and how we are coping uh, with the current situation and also uh, trying to move ahead through all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of digging out, I mean, it's like we're all still trying to dig out from COVID, aren't we? The, the impact continues to be something that is lasting for each of us on our personal lives and, of course, on our, on our work lives as well. And I just want to start out by saying how much I appreciate the support from our community to make sure that we do everything we can to keep each other safe and to keep our community safe. So proud of our nursing faculty and students as they've been volunteering at the vaccination sites. And we continue to stay connected very closely with the local health departments in all of the counties that we represent. Um, specifically in Kenosha though, just an extraordinary effort by Jen Fryheit to keep all of the institutions of higher education involved and aware of some of the changes because as everyone recognizes, not only is it changing at the federal level, but also at the state level, almost on a daily basis. So we monitor all of those reports and try to make sure that we're putting practices in place that are gonna keep our staff and our students safe. So this week we'll actually launch um, a new video series that have been done by our students to help inform our, our community, the Gateway community on the importance of vaccination. That's what this series is about. The last series was about how to protect yourself with uh, CDC practices and washing hands and so on. But it's a great way for our students to be involved and for everyone to I think understand the, uh, the potential um, risk that we're all at if we don't follow those guidelines and take precautions. So uh, we continue to offer programs on campus. And in order to do that, I remind our teams every week that uh, it's up to us to keep our campuses safe. So each of us have a sense of responsibility and just uh, grateful for all the students that are continuing their journey because we know that our uh, economy needs them. The employers in this area can continue to talk about a skilled worker shortage. And that only happens from highly skilled uh, graduates. So we're going to continue to work down that path. I, you really touched on something important, which I think is that uh, as we receive the gratifying news of the development of vaccines and vaccination and so on, it's really easy, in a sense, to let down one's guard. I mean, whether or not you yourself have received a, a vaccine, and of course, the vast majority of us have not yet been vaccinated, right. but there's just sort of this sense of relief and hope, but that also can uh, edge into complacency or carelessness. And we just can't afford to be careless right now. So I'm well, yeah, you're absolutely right, Greg. Uh, this is actually a time that we want to continue to emphasize the importance of um, good, safe practices. You know, and I, I would have thought we would have probably, as as mankind, humans, we would have done this, you know, centuries ago. But we take for granted, you know, we don't really wash our hands the way we should or we don't really protect ourselves. And, you know, we've kind of gotten comfortable, too, with getting a flu shot. And that's supposed to protect us from the flu. But we know that. You can still get the flu even if you get the flu shot. So even if you get the COVID shot, you can still, you know, be sub subject to risk. And uh, I think the more that we can inform each other and then support each other in that process, the better off we're going to be. Absolutely. 
uh, tell our listeners about a very exciting grant that Gateway recently received. Well, I wish our listeners could see the smile on my face, and I'm hoping that maybe they caught one of the news media articles about this. Uh, last week, we announced uh, in partnership with the S.E. Johnson Corporation and their CEO, Fisk Johnson, a $5.5 million gift to Gateway Technical College students, and this is to support STEM scholarships. So as I mentioned, our employers need highly skilled individuals that work in science and technology-related career paths, and uh, we've been doing that for a very long time here at Gateway, and, and this scholarship program is going to elevate the visibility of the program that we offer, but also create an affordable pathway. And what makes it so unique is that we, with this program, we reach down into our high schools to emphasize the dual credit opportunities and have students at an earlier age, maybe their junior or senior year, earn some college credits from Gateway, apply those toward an associate degree. The scholarship pays for that entire associate degree. So 100% of the tuition fees and books will be covered. And then if they choose, uh, transitioning off to one of our partnering universities for a two plus two uh, scholarship, and they receive another uh, scholarship to continue with their baccalaureate degree. So I think all in, we calculated about a $45,000 scholarship for 180 students. That's going to really, I think, uh, put some, some key trajectories in the areas uh, of high demand that we need, especially targeting young women and students of color, which we know is so important that we diversify our workforce. And uh, Gateway has a long history in helping support students uh, with, with many different backgrounds, but this is going to really be a shot in the arm to keep our college pathways affordable. Fantastic. Such good news. It uh, is. So uh, your last uh, announcement of, of, of sorts also is a, a nice way to introduce our title for today, uh, which involves something called CTE which I know stands for Career and Technical Education. And there's something coming up called CTE National Signing Day, which I think yeah. is part of why you want to talk about CTE today. Tell us what this National Signing Day is all about. Well, you're so right, Greg. And I think it might be important just for our listeners, uh, just a little back history on this. When I was in school, it wasn't called CTE, right? It was called vocational education. And uh, I took a series of courses and many of our listeners would probably remember those as industrial arts, or maybe you took a, you know, a family consumer science course or a business course. Um, over this, you know, last 30 plus years, maybe it's even more since I've been out of high school, but uh, it has evolved dramatically and it's really built a strong foundation in uh, career and technical education to focus on the competencies and skills that young people are learning in programs that, that are supported uh, like that. They also align directly with the requirements that industry has. So it's evolved an awful lot. And uh, once a, uh, a year or so, there is a national effort called February CTE Month. So schools all across America are supporting special events to bring employers in, to bring families in, and to highlight students and their success in CTE programs. One of the events, just one that we participate in, and we participate in a lot of them throughout the month and throughout the year, actually, but one of them is called National Signing Day. So this is very similar to what you would see on television where a young person would get a baseball cap to go play football, basketball, gymnastics, swimming, whatever it might be, and they sign a letter of intent to go to that particular university. Well, we do the same thing with high school students, and we ask them to sign a letter of intent uh, to turn pro in their profession, professional firefighter, professional nurse, professional automotive technician, you know, professional IT sports specialist. We know that if they come to Gateway, sign that letter of intent, we give them a baseball cap, 
it is life changing because it's a moment in time when we've acknowledged and recognized their career path of high value. And so their parents are there and their grandparents and everybody's emotional and it's just an exciting way to celebrate and to kick off the important role that we all play and support in a young person's life as they choose a pathway of career and technical education. So today's program, I've invited a very dear friend of mine, uh, Kim Green, who is the Executive Director of Advanced CTE. This is the national organization that provides support for states in advocate, advocating for career and technical education pathways. And Kim's going to tell us an awful lot about it, but just so fortunate that she's able to join us today and uh, just has a, a great um, background history in her professional career path to be the champion for CTE Month. Excellent. Kim Green, we welcome you to the morning show again, Executive Director of Advanced CTE. Before we talk about Advanced CTE, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, uh, in particular, the work that you have done in higher education, and maybe a word about how you first uh, became acquainted with and associated with uh, President Albrecht and sure, sure. Technical College. Well, thank you. And thank you, Gregory, for inviting me. And Brian, it's always a pleasure to be with you. I think you were probably one of the, the first people that I met um, when I started my career advanced CTE. And I've been with the same organization for 28 years now. Um, I am a first-generation college grad. I went to Cornell University and studied industrial and labor relations um, with the support of Pell Grants and the Federal Work Studies Program. And um, part of the reason I got into that field, that field is one that is largely focused on um, labor organizing and uh, human resource management. So I had a deep commitment and passion to understanding how people navigated through the workforce. Um, again, having been a first-generation college grad, my dad was a truck driver. My mom worked in an office. And so um, they instilled in me kind of this commitment to hard work, but also a commitment to understanding the value of education as they struggled through most of their career to literally make a lower middle class um, in family income. So, um, so that was kind of the, the roots of why I got into this field. My senior year of college, I had a chance to do an internship. Cornell had an internship program in Washington, D.C., and I uh, jumped on that opportunity. And my senior senior thesis was focused on career pathways. There was a piece of legislation that Senator Simon from Illinois was working on that led to the School to Work Opportunities Act, one of the first 100-day priorities for then President Clinton, and um, had planned to go to law school, but got the federal policy wonk bug and stuck with it. Um, and so I've been there ever since through the federal policy path. I became the executive director in 1997, was very lucky and very young to be able to do that and uh, feel like I am living my best life, getting a chance to do work that I find deeply meaningful and impactful. So that's how so, I got all that. And Kim, it's so exciting to kind of just think back all those years uh, now, because I think you're absolutely right. I remember when I was at the Department of Public Instruction, one of my first uh, activities at the federal level was the School to Work Opportunity Act. And uh, we had a school district of West Bend that was involved in the actual legislative signing. And I became the, the state director for School to Work at the time, which led into the youth apprenticeship movement and a lot of the things that we're continuing to support and promote today. But here's sort of an intersection that I don't even know if you knew this. So you went to Cornell University. My actually first teaching job was at Cornell. 
high school. (laughs) (laughs) There's a high school in the northern part of the state called Cornell, and I was very honored to teach there my very first year. Um, But I often, sometimes I leave out the high school part and I just say I taught at Cornell. (laughs) There you go. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you. And and it was, I think, Brian, you were working at the Department of Public Instruction when I had a chance to meet you. And I think it was probably through your work with SkillsUSA um, that you were doing work at the National Career Technical Student Organization and have always been a, a fan favorite of mine um, and your deep commitment to serving community and connecting education and employers, which I obviously have a deep commitment to. So I feel like we've been kindred spirits all along our career Very path. Good. So uh, February is National CTE Month, so this is a nicely timed conversation. So, uh, so Kim Green, tell us, uh, tell our listeners, that is, exactly what Advanced CTE is and what it does, what its mission is. Sure. So Advanced CTE is a national, nonpartisan, nonprofit organization that represents all 50 states, the District of Columbia, and the U.S. territories. And our mission is to try to build visibility and support for high quality career technical education. Um, That means uh, career technical education extends all the way back into upper elementary um, programs where we're helping students learn about what they like to do and what they're good at through high school into community and technical colleges and into adult workforce programs. We are a voice for career technical education in Washington DC, building visibility with Congress, other national um, organizations in the education and workforce space as well as with uh, uh, federal administration. So we have a lot of new people that we're educating these days. Um, And we also work with our member states to make sure that they have a sense of community and peer network, are tapping into the research and best practices to make sure that we have high quality programs that are also equitable. We are actually in our 101st year of existence. So our organization started really when the federal government first started, a little bit after the federal government first started investing in then vocational education, the Smith-Hughes Act in 1917. So we started up shortly after that. And it's so important to recognize that because um, over the last hundred plus years, a lot has changed in CTE. Uh, federal legislation has really moved itself toward the idea of pathways where students can earn credits for competencies and then transition those into post-secondary credentials, which leads to industry certifications and the relationship with business and industry. I remember when I, when I first started in my career path, primarily the discussion was on Carl Perkins funding, which is a very large federal investment of which Gateway is a recipient, but all of our K-12 schools as well. And so there was a natural uh, effort to kind of align the systems. It's taken a while, but we're very proud of the fact that uh, currently Gateway serves over 6,000 high school students in dual credit programs. And we also have youth apprenticeship sport programs. And ultimately what that means is that we can help deliver competencies at an earlier age and move students through the educational pipeline into the work workforce quicker at a reduced cost. So for us at Gateway this year alone, uh, parents saved $2.6 million in tuition uh, through those dual credit programs. So it has a long history. We still have a long way to go, but uh, Advanced CTE and Kim's leadership is helping to create that conversation at the federal level to put investment in to put these systems together. Excellent. Uh, Kim Green, are there real specific goals or activities for Advanced CTE as you work uh, here in 2021 and look to 2022 and beyond? Sure, so I think um, one commitment that I think we have always made is to try to reflect the type of leadership that we'd like to see in states. And I 
I was remiss in saying I want to acknowledge Dr. Colleen McCabe, who's our member in Wisconsin. Wisconsin, our member kind of sits within the Wisconsin Technical College System, which is not the case in every state. And um, she works very closely with her partners at the Department of Public Instruction. So um, have really enjoyed getting to know Dr. McCabe. So um, for 2021, as I mentioned, we try to model the kind of leadership and partnerships that we would like to see in states and we think is necessary to be able to implement highly effective career technical education. So last year we brought together um, a national summit on the future of career technical education and the goal was to bring together key stakeholders representing the governors, chambers of commerce, industry, students, um, teachers, to be able to kind of say, like, what do we need next to help propel career technical education forward? So next month, we'll be releasing that shared vision uh, for career technical education. This is the third time we've done that, and that will be guiding our work going forward. And just a little preview, the focus of that um, vision will be about helping learners navigate the, the education and workforce system more seamlessly, making sure that we have those highest quality programs, as Brian talked about, making sure that programs are driven by business and industry needs, have high quality academics, are not closing doors, but open, opening doors, that we are reflecting the modern workforce, that we recognize that people need to be lifelong learners and getting different credentials in order to be able to adapt and respond to the needs of the, the workforce and the evolving labor market. Um, another area of focus for us is, uh, and, and Brian, if you could see it, has a Black History Month uh, background on his Zoom calendar, uh, Zoom background, um, is to focus on the issues around equity. And I'll say vocational education has not always had the best history in, in this space. Um, there has been historical tracking of depending on where you lived or what color your skin was or what gender you were. Uh, people had a tendency of directing students to different programs. So the legacy of um, inequity in career technical education is something that we are working very hard to overcome. And I'm proud of the progress that we've made, but still have a lot more work to do in that, that space. Um, and the last one I would just mention is a deep commitment to data. And Brian had all those facts and figures at his hands. That doesn't come without a lot of underpinning of hard work to build systems around collecting data and using that to make thoughtful decisions, shining a light on where what's working and scaling that up more, but importantly, shining a light on where we have to do work around improvement, um, particularly about who is serving, who we're serving, what outcomes they're having, um, and being able to really build the capacity of our system to use that data. So quality, equity, leadership, and data-driven decision-making are really kind of our areas of focus for the coming year. As well as, as I said, building awareness. We've got a whole new group of folks in Washington, um, and some of them know what CTE is. Some of them think of CTE as the concussion um, Unfortunately, we share an acronym with the, the football concussion field. So uh, we have to build awareness and visibility um, and let them know we're the good CTE and uh, helping them dispel in some ways some stereotypes that they might have about what modern high quality CTE looks like. That's good. I hadn't thought of it like that before, Kim, but you're right. We've got to continue to share our message. And I think what you've shared with those goals points to 
the continued importance of your work, because as we can all imagine, in a school environment, uh, a counselor only has so many minutes a day, and a teacher may have grown up and been a part of an educational program that didn't call it CTE or didn't understand the value of it. Then you've got parents who, you know, maybe from a different time, had a different experience related to a vocational education or CTE now. And so we've got to continue to be strong advocates, because it's not just counselors and teachers and parents. It's elected officials, it's legislators, it's Congress, it's everybody that needs to understand how we've evolved and how important it is to our, our nation's economy. You know, when I, um, well, pre-COVID, when I was traveling around the country um, nearly every week, I was one of those annoying people that would talk to you on the airplane and people would obviously ask, what do you do? And I always took that as an opportunity to say, okay, one more person that I can turn on to, what is CTE? And I always described it. First, I never use the language, what vocational education or CTE. When you describe it to someone, they're like, yes, I want that. I want that for myself. I want that for my child. And then you would put the label on it and people go, oh, that's for people who aren't going to college. I was like, no, no, no. The description I just gave you is what modern CTE is. And I think, you know, we still, that is a, a challenge. People People make judgments based on their own experiences, and um, it's our responsibility to continue to kind of shine a light on the evolution of the system. So, yeah. For those who are just joining us, today is the monthly visit of Brian Albrecht to The Morning Show, and his special guest is Kim Green, Executive Director of Advance uh, CTE. Kim Green, uh, as we've already touched on, this is relatively new technology, or I'm sorry, terminology in terms of, of how we talk about this kind of education. And it's partly that we're talking about it differently, but also partly that the nature of that education that we once called vocational education has really changed and needs uh, new language or terminology to maybe more properly uh, encapsulate all that it offers. Uh, tell us a little more about when this transition occurred in terminology from vocational education to career and technical education and and why that is significant. Sure, sure. The, the terminology changed. Um, it's kind of a, a span of time, but it's around the time of the, when we, we became part of the 2000s. So it started kind of in the late 1900s and into the early 2000s. And part of the reason that it changed was because we were struggling with the perception. While we had done deep work to start to make um, changes within the system, and I'll, I'll speak to what those are, the label uh, connotated something that no longer matched what was happening in the field. And so the, the pivot that was made um, was really reflective and responsive to what the labor market and our employer community was demanding. If you think about the labor market of the 1900s, people largely prepared for a single job stayed with that single job and the, the, the education that they got was sufficient to carry them through the entirety of their working life. Um, and what we started to see and hear from the employer community was they did, that was not, no longer the case. Technology was starting to change rapidly. We were starting at that time. If you think about that time frame, it was before the iPhone. It was before, you know, we were really kind of in a space and place where technology was touching every aspect of our lives. And so employers were saying, we need workers that have highly skilled academic skills in order to be able to do the technical work that is necessary um, in, in the skilled trades as well as in broader sectors of the economy. We also saw that um, employers were saying to us that those skills are not 
fixed for a lifetime that you need to go back and upskill and get new credentials along the way to stay current. Um, and we also saw because of the pervasiveness of technology that technology was touching every sector of the economy. It was no longer just in a couple of areas. So the field kind of said, okay, well, if we're gonna be responsive to the needs of the employer community, we need to make a pivot and no longer have vocational education just focusing on six or seven sectors of our economy, but it really reflects the entire world of work. And so our field adopted first this framework called the National Career Clusters Framework, which really does reflect the entire world of work. And as part of that adoption, our organization said, well, we need to adopt the, a, a term that better reflects kind of what this program is that touches every part of the economy, that has rigorous academics embedded within it, that is adaptable and responsive to the needs of employers, that connects secondary and post-secondary education more intentionally because we knew that more and more workers needed some credential after high school in order to earn a family-sustaining wage. And so it was at that time that we adopted the, lay, the, the terminology career technical education. Um, Brian, what, I'm, I'm curious what your kind of story is, because you were certainly in this field at that time. So what, what happened in Wisconsin? When did they kind of take on the new terminology? And what did it yeah, mean? well, I appreciate that because, um, you know, when I'm in the community and, and if I tell people I'm the president of Gateway Technical College, uh, they immediately can say, oh, that's where we train nurses and firefighters and police officers and welders. And yes, we do. And we train some of the best ones. But I also say, but we also train cybersecurity analysts, electrical engineers, data science specialists, um, networking specialists, system engineers, and they haven't thought about that in the context of those are the types of careers that, that, you know, that are like on the front page of the newspapers today. So I look back and just in the beginning of the program, we announced the $5.5 million gift from SC Johnson that supports those careers, cybersecurity, data analytics, electrical engineering. And so we're trying to continue to build awareness around those pathways of opportunity. But in, in general, yeah, Wisconsin was around the same time frame, early 2000s, when the state legislature uh, adopted the career in technical education. And at the Department of Public Instruction, we switched our name from vocational education to CTE. And it's been, it's been a very positive change because it helps to, as Kim said, reframe the conversation and describe what the experience is. And Greg, you know this, I, when I bring people onto campus, I walk them through our labs because their eyes are just wide open going like, you have a robotics lab that looks just like the inside of one of our corporate partners or our automotive lab is all, uh, you know, digital and you're doing everything, you know, via scanning systems. Yeah, that's how you fix cars today, right? You plug a computer into them, but you've got to see it um, and experience it. And we're trying to create that type of uh, conversation within our community. That's why it's so important to engage at early levels, middle school, high school, bring students on campus and then celebrate their success in the workplace. Kim Green, uh, I know you are, are part of something that works throughout the country and maybe even in Canada as well. Um, do you kind of see the same sort of focus on CTE in various states, uh, various programs, various frameworks, or is it kind of a crazy quilt of different approaches? Well, I think um, just as the United States is this vast melting pot, so is CTE. Um, in, in fact, Brian mentioned the federal legislation, the Carl Perkins legislation, and states get to pick 
a state agency to manage those resources for a state. And in all states, but 13, Wisconsin being one of those 13, um, uh, that our member sits within the state education agency, which is the agency that oversees the K-12 programs. Um, in other states like Wisconsin, you have it running out of the technical college system. You have states who have it in the university system. You have states that have their own state agency for career technical education. So I think one of the, um, the reasons for that is a positive in that career technical education, as you've heard Brian and I say, is connected to the employer community in the state. And so when you when I think states decided kind of where career technical education would be kind of housed initially with this federal money, it was very much a decision made based on kind of what were the needs in the state. That is to say that um, doesn't mean that that is the only state agency that does career technical education. Brian worked in the Department of Public Instruction and they did CTE as well. So it takes many state agencies that are working to reflect the full span of CTE. As we said, it begins in middle school all the way through adult programs. We also have states that have varying degrees of investment. So while the federal government invests in every state, um, we have some states that their state legislature appropriates a lot of money for CTE and others, it's very minimal. Um, and then there's also vast differences in the delivery systems where CTE is offered. Not every state has a technical college system. Some states, it's only community colleges. Other states, it's um, these area technical centers that I know that we'll talk about later. So there is a lot of variety. Um, so we, we often call kind of CTE a system, but I'm going to say like lowercase and in quotations, because it is certainly not a system in that it is the same in every state, but there are elements that are common across states. And I think those are ones that we've described already, that connection to employers, that connection between secondary and post-secondary education, that commitment to helping young people and adults figure out what they like to do and what they're good at and get the skills and experiences they need to get credentials of value so that they can get good jobs. I think it's so important uh, because, you know, even in Wisconsin, our technical colleges have um, developed a local identity, right? Because we're governed in a local structure. We serve a region of the state and we have to reflect the needs of those employers. Same with the CTE communities across the country. How, how has it evolved within their state or within their local geography? I know that uh, just, you know, South and in, in Illinois, they're called community colleges. In Wisconsin, they're called technical colleges. And in some states are called community and technical colleges. So there's a combination of different ways in which post-secondary is viewed, but still leaning on those core principles of that direct uh, mission of alignment with workforce skills. Uh, Kim Green, uh, I, I should think that one thing that uh, gives you a great sense of satisfaction is when you hear stories about, for instance, uh, nursing students here at Gateway Technical College that have been uh, so important in combating and dealing with COVID. Uh, frontline workers of, of, the, of paramount importance. And, uh, and of course, nurses are part of this whole world of CTE. And, yeah. uh, and it's something that probably a lot of us are starting to appreciate on a whole different level. Yeah, I hope, you know, one of the, the silver linings of maybe COVID is um, an appreciation for
for those individuals that are all, often the unsung heroes that have now been shined a light on. And there are many of them in CTE. The nurses, as Brian mentioned, that are part of um, the distribution of the vaccine. The transportation workers who have gotten us our goods via Amazon or however you're getting all your stuff delivered to your house. The manufacturing plants that have been uh, pivoting to make sure that they create PPE for individuals. Our teachers who have had to pivot and um, think about how do you deliver instruction in a hybrid or virtual environment. So yeah, we're, um, we're really proud of the work that's happening. It doesn't surprise me, CTE, because of its uh, connection to community. Um, we've not really talked about this aspect, but many of the CTE programs have um, components called career technical student organizations that instill in, in CTE students a sense of service to their community and working to support all aspects of their community, not only through their program, but really to see the totality of the needs of their community and doing food drives and um, just building supports for need, building houses, different things that are done. Um, and so it does warm my heart and I'm hoping that the, um, the media that comes out of this will help to further support that building of awareness of what CTE is and the critical place that it stands within our country and within our communities. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I mean, when you think about uh, those core tenants, whether it's that community-based leadership of our student organizations or many of our CTE programs have built-in work-based learning components uh, through a co-op, an internship, a youth apprenticeship, it's instilling that pride and sense of responsibility around the dignity of work and then being uh, proficient in that, but also giving back to the community. So there's so many different uh, ways in which uh, you can add benefit to the educational experience by involving uh, CTE programs. Kim Green, uh, recently your organization released a study exploring the role that area advanced technical centers play in the CTE ecosystem. We don't have a lot of time, but yep. uh, but could you at least summarize what this study was all about and the most significant uh, uh, findings? Sure, that? yeah. So this study was really instigated by the Lumina Foundation, which has a national goal, and many states have adopted this goal of trying to get more um, post-secondary and adult learners credentials of value uh, to be able to kind of earn their way to a, a good job. And we've been looking at kind of where what is the ways that career technical education can contribute to this goal. And part of this goal is looking for individuals who need credentials, not necessarily degrees to be able to get that good job. And these institutions, area technical centers, they reside in 40 states. There are nearly 1,400 of them, and they are not well captured in federal legislation or in federal data sets. So we wanted to just simply do a scan and be able to share how many of them there are and to build some visibility within those communities that are doing work in post-secondary and workforce development to say that there are 1,400 of these institutions more than there are community colleges in our country and people don't know about them. So we wanted to shine a light on them and build some visibility for these understudied and what we believe to be underutilized public assets, a huge part of the career technical education delivery system. So if people want to learn more, they can go to area career, areatechnicalcenters.org and you can find out if there are CTE centers in your state. Um, we have a, a map on there that you can kind of find a location and see where they're, who they serve and what the community is like that they serve so yeah very good uh, as i understand it cte has a variety of models uh including apprenticeship work-based learning co-op dual credit pathways there's a, a lot of different ways in which 
uh, interest in, the, in, in this field and in this kind of education can be pursued? Has, it, has there always been this flexibility in terms of, of systems of, of delivery and, and, and how significant do you think that is? Yeah, I mean, I think um, adaptability is probably the, the common underlying term here and that adaptability is, driven, is, a, is a defining feature of career technical education. And I know I sound like a broken record, but that is driven by the responsiveness to the employer community. And so when you look at kind of the different ways that CTE has attempted to respond to the needs of the employer community and to the learner to be able to help students figure out what they like to do, what they're good at and how to get the skills they need to get a good job. Um, we have, have really taken, I think, the approach of saying there are a lot of different ways to get there. We are not going to be prescriptive that there's only one path that people take. If there's one thing that we have learned is that um, people find their way to their chosen field in lots of different ways, and the delivery system is, has been responsive and adaptable to that. Some of the way, things that you've described have been incubated by federal legislation. Some of them have been um, best practices that happened in communities and we've, we've sought to scale them. But I think that that uh, variety is a strength of the CTE delivery system. Yeah, I love that term, Greg, flexibility. <laughs> Most people say like, isn't there just one way to teach this? And the answer is no, because it's based on the competence and skills within that discipline but then also the learning styles, as Kim mentioned. So, you know, most of us like to uh, apply our learning, but there are some that do really well in traditional settings of, you know, textbook learning and, and transition on into university settings. And that's all great. That's, that's good for a lot of people. But there are a lot of people like myself that would rather build something and figure out how to learn math by constructing, you know, a staircase or learning how to fly an airplane by actually getting behind the, the cockpit and flying it. Um, I always use a couple examples that people can relate to very quickly. I bet you didn't want your barber or your cosmetologist just to read about your haircut in a book, right? You wanted them to cut hair before they cut your hair or your phlebotomist before they draw blood. I bet you hope they practiced an awful lot. So it's that application of learning, that applied experience that uh, helps to reinforce that confidence. And then ultimately, based on the learning style of the student, uh, develop that pursuit of passion. That's how they become professionals. And I would just add, it's equally important, I think, for people to try things out and realize they don't like it, right? Like I, my college um, roommate was a pre-med student. She did not take a biology class until the second semester of her junior year when she had taken advanced biology and she about fainted when she had to deal with blood. And she's like, this is not for me. So like for me, part of this is this journey of figuring out and in some ways dismantling perceptions of what different jobs really entail. There, there was a, Brian, I'm sure you can appreciate this, you know, television shows tend to pique people's interests in different occupations. When I was growing up, everybody wanted to be a lawyer because LA law was popular. Then it was the CSI jobs and everybody wanted to be CSI. And like I remember dealing with some high school CSI programs and they're like, we take kids out there and they realize how gross it is and how it's really smelly. And we do not wrap up a case in 45 minutes like television does. And, they, and then you realize this is great. It's just as much about figuring out what you don't like as what, what you do like so that you have focus and intention and can be efficient with your financial resources to be able to pursue that career of your passion. Very well said. Uh, real quick, Kim Green, what is the current evolution of career and technical education? In other words, how is it different now from maybe how it was a decade ago? Yeah, I think one um, is that 
We are uh, preparing individuals for careers which are changing and adapting. We're not preparing people for a single job. And that means that there's probably going to be some post-secondary experiences that most individuals need. Um, so the likelihood of you being able to uh, graduate from high school and just get a good job is, um, is not as strong as it was when you look at the predictions. And certainly as we go forward, having some post-secondary experience is, is going to be required. Um, and so we, we embrace this commitment to lifelong learning, um, expanding your uh, work-based learning experiences. Brian said that this has certainly been a part of CTE for a long time, but we're starting to see more and more visibility around getting students internships. And um, I'm pleasantly happy to see that there's an expanded focus on the model of apprenticeships, which I know Wisconsin has a deep, rich history around. Um, and as I, I mentioned, we are seeing um, progress around building visibility for career technical education and rebuilding trust with communities that we lost because of that tracking history. And so really centering a lot of work around equity. Um, and that work began a few years ago. I think this past year shown a light on how, how much more work we have to do as a country. And I'm really happy to see how much efforting is being put around breaking down stereotypes, rebuilding trust, and um, all of that being undergirded with high quality programming. Finally, I um, wonder if you could say a word about, or maybe another way to say it is a, uh, say a word to, uh, for instance, any parents who might be listening in terms of all of the choices that a, a given student has nowadays in terms of what they fill their schedule with, even students who might, where it might not ever occur to them that they should think about seeking out some sort of a CTE experience. Yeah. Uh, why is this something of value to just about every student? Well, I could give the policy wonk answer, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, anchor this answer in data because I think that this is really important. One is that, you know, simply put, CTE works. Those students who are in career technical education have a 10% higher likelihood of graduating high school. So our graduation rate is higher 10% than the national average. We've done some national surveys of parents and students about their experiences with career technical education. And we find that those who are in CTE are three times as likely to report that they're very satisfied with their, their children's ability to learn real world skills as part of their education and experience. We, it doesn't hurt you. So we know that students who go into career technical education are just as likely to move on to post-secondary education. And in fact, the data proves that students who enroll in post-secondary learning and they were a secondary CTE student, they are more likely to graduate and graduate on time with a credential of value. And there's lots and lots of studies done at the post-secondary level that show a very positive return on investment. So I think the data stands to prove itself. Anecdotally, I will say when you um, stand in front of a, a group of career technical students, you have hope for the future. These young people are um, committed, they are passionate, they are about making change in our country, they're about doing good in our country, they're articulate, they are focused. Um, and so I think that when you're looking, a lot of the stereotypes that we see about young people of you know, being lazy or not wanting to get out of their parents' basement. You don't hear that about career technical education graduates. So um, it works. The data proves it works. And our anecdotal stories prove it works. So give it a try. 
I love that story. And, you know, as simply as a dad, I would just say that um, at some point, we're going to hope you move out of the house and always remember that skills will pay the bills. So <laughs> as you're going through your choices in education, make sure that you have a foundation that's going to sustain you as the economy changes so you can change with it. And so that's what CTE can do. It can make you an adaptable, flexible learner and give you skills that are going to continue to give you an opportunity to be successful in the economy. I'll just say our incoming Secretary of Education at the U.S. Department of Education um, comes from Connecticut, and he was a CTE student. He um, went to an automotive program and uh, chose a different path after he went through that automotive program, and now look where he is. So I think there are limitless opportunities. Um, it does not put for, like does not put you on a dead end path. It gives you skills, confidence um, that you can always rely on for the rest of your life. Mm. Very, very well put. You are a eloquent spokesperson indeed for uh, this exciting uh, brand of education. And uh, we hope that uh, our listeners have taken in each and every word of what you have, have, uh, have, have shared today. Kim Green, Executive Director of Advanced uh, CTE. Uh, Kim Green, it was really great to make your acquaintance today and have you be part of the morning show today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Brian, for your leadership and good work. Hopefully you'll have some more students coming, knocking on your door at Gateway because it is among the best in the country. So thanks for having me, Gregory. You're here. And Brian Albrecht, president of Gateway Technical College, always wonderful to have you uh, with us. And I look forward to seeing you in March. Thank you, Greg. I look forward to it as well. All right. I'm Gregory Berg.